You're listening to Two Tape Decks and a Mixing Board, a podcast about life through the lens of music. Welcome to the show. My name is Jay Mack in my COVID-free bunker in St. Louis, Missouri, and I'm joined via Zoom cross-country by... Hey, this is Sam Wade out in uh, Los Angeles, California. Um, just uh, being uh, Angelino uh, for the first time this year has been an interesting journey, but very rewarding and good. Yeah, you, you've only moved, you've only been out there like, uh, has it been nine months or has it been an actual year? I got out here literally two to three weeks um, before everything started. COVID, so, you mean? Yep, be, before the first lockdown. Um, without any, I wasn't even trying to do that. It was just the, the way that the scheduling, the, the plan that we had made worked out. Um, but it almost seemed, uh, serendipitous, right? Like wow. That's a big word. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you would like to send us messages or leave us comments, you can do that on our Facebook page, two tape decks and a mixing board. It's pretty simple to find. Just type in two tape decks and a mixing board into your Facebook search and it should pop up. I don't think there's anybody else that is using that handle. We've got an incredible show. We're going to talk a little bit about a track off our our recently released EP, Tomorrow Never Knows, number one. That's right. The track is Alone on the Moon. And this is a track I wrote when I was 14. I know you're, now you, I know you're thinking, I'll turn it off right now. I don't want to, it's got to be garbage. Actually, it was not. It's frightening how how surreal it is. It's, it's how really good it is. And it came out of a teenage brain that was frankly probably have in like in hormone overload, to tell you the truth, looking back on those times. So before we play the clip, I want to, I want Sam to tell us where we can get it, where you can get it. And then we'll play a clip and then we'll just talk about the recording. And then later on in the show, we will play a clip of the original version that I have not heard in 30 years. <laughs> So where where can they get EP number one tomorrow? Never knows, Sam Wade. Yeah, so you know we released it digitally on all of the major streaming services. It should be pretty easy to find. Um, you're going to come across the Beatles song that was intentional. That song really uh, influenced the way that we think about this music for this band. Um, but we like to think that we bring something to the table to that name. Um, and we recorded four songs, and it's out on Spotify. It's on Apple Music. It is in the Amazon store. Um, it's on the Google services. It's basically, it's on title. Um, so it's out on YouTube, anywhere you can find, uh, music uh, that you love. It's out there. Um, so give it a listen. And what I've been doing is I've been putting up links on my personal page, Jeremy McDonald music to like the individual stores where you can get it. Like this week I put up the Amazon link. So if you go to facebook.com slash Jeremy McDonald music, there's some information on there. That's also where you can find my personal blogs my Parkinson's uh, videos and different things like that. So why don't we just play a clip of this song, Sam, and then we'll riff and we'll kind of talk about your inspiration for why you wanted to do it, because it was one of my songs, but you sang it. (laughs) (laughs) And then just a little bit about the recording, and then we'll tease our listeners with a clip of the original one, like I said, which I have not heard in at least, I mean, probably about 30 years, probably since I did it. Well, that'll be really fun to hear then. Uh, it was cool to listen to that and, and uh, hear it again. I, I tried to clean up the audio a little bit, but I also wanted it to to sound the way that we listened to it at the time. You know, that's part of the, the, the character of it. Awesome. In my opinion. 
Um, see, let's uh, let's let's listen to the one uh, that we just released. The 2020 version. 2020 version. Tomorrow never knows. The EP is called Number One. This is Alone on the Moon.
Okay, now I don't know if this is going to be on the clipped version or not, but I got to just, first of all, give huge shout-outs to your brother Ben for that incredible face-melting solo at the end of the song. Like I said, I have I've not decided what clip I'm going to put. I'm not going to put the whole song up. But there, if there's any reason for you to go download this song, the climax at the end, I remember you told me, you said, let's do, let's turn it into like cashmere meets within you without you. And then y- your brother just came on and just melted faces with that solo, dude. Can you talk a little bit about your brother's role in this? I mean, how did you approach him with this? First of all, here's a song we wrote when we were kids. Did he even remember this song? I'm not sure that he remembered it. Um, but real quick, I, I do want to talk about Ben solo, but before I do, I actually think, you know, and you can edit this in or, or, you know, edit it out. Um, this could be a side conversation or it could be an interesting inception for this podcast. I kind of think that I like the idea of playing the whole track of the songs. Like that's part of our thing is whenever we can, we play the entire performance of the track because people can always, you know, skip ahead if they don't want to hear the whole thing. I'll drop in the whole thing. From the start of the song, you I mean, you played almost all the instruments in this. I did sitar. That was kind of my, like that. You were like, do the sitar and I'll take care of the rest. And brother, did you take care of the rest? But before we talk about your production, I just got to tell you, uh, what I did at the beginning there was I played the notes on the sitar at the lower end of, of the register. Sitar is generally kind of like higher pitched. But the tone I got from those low end notes was just so beautiful, dude. And I got to I got to tell you, my my sitar teacher for for many years who passed away recently, Imrat Khan. I really feel like he's smiling somewhere and saying, "Job well done, my boy." I think he would really, really dig that. So talk a little bit about your vision for this song, because like I said, this was nothing but I think the original version was just me on a, one electric guitar singing with a keyboard somewhere in it. So how did you take that early demo, which we will play here in a little bit, from that to this giant epic, I mean, it it sounds like a movie soundtrack. Uh, my my lady said this sounds like it'd be on Twilight. I was like, I don't know about that, but I, hell, I'll take Twilight's money. I'll take it in a heartbeat. Even Tom York had a song on a Twilight con. That's uh, true. Soundtrack. That's true. So talk about it's your vision, the, your vision from the song, because the original was very simple. It was, um, and that's part of the. I I think you know, to me, and I think that after we hear the original version that, you know, the people who stick with us uh, and they're in, and they're interested to hear this in the music, I think they're going to agree. I'm going to predict, I'm going to make, a, make a, a prediction here. I think they would agree that the original also is a really good version of the song. Um, and it just speaks to the strength of how good the song is. Like, I think, excuse me, I think that we could do, uh, you know, a couple different versions of it even, and it would work because the song is, is great, but I'm really, really happy with what uh, this, this, you know, recording ended up being. Here's the thing. The original version was written and I've, I think I talked about this on another show, but we can, we can talk about it again. It was written in a very, I was in a very lonely spot in my life. I was at a, it was like a, at a big, church conference and I had really no friends around me at the time that night when I wrote the song I was out in the parking lot by myself feeling so isolated from humanity and I think the moon was out and I thought that's the farthest I can possibly imagine being away from where I am now is the moon that's that's as far as anybody's ever been outside earth right I don't think anybody's been past the moon 
No, you're right. I mean, they've been on the other side of the moon. That's probably the furthest. The dark side of the moon. <laughs> Which is not actually dark. Wow, blew my mind. So it's funny that the seed of that kind of lonely teenage angst ended up being rather poetic. And when I first knew that you wanted to do a cover of this song, I was actually pretty excited because I knew I knew you would do an amazing job. I did not know how amazing it would be. And I love the build. The build. Talk about the build. How it starts so quiet and it ends up being a symphony of just it, it yeah. is like it is like Cashmere from Zeppelin and Within You Without You from Sgt. Pepper. Mm-hmm. But there's definitely there's definitely you all over it. Oh, thanks, man. Um probably just because I, you know, played a bunch on it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh no, I mean those are very little references that I was thinking of in my mind when I was arranging it. I wanted it to feel like those songs. I didn't want to copy those songs, but I wanted them to feel like it. And one of the things that I really like, uh, and we can talk about this, you know, if we go through the songs, you know, chronologically, I don't know if we're going to, but it, the idea of how like this vast symphony, as you described it, fades into more of a traditional, you know, Indian uh, instrumentation. Um, to me, it was kind of a callback to this, like, you know, probably mostly obscure to people, I don't know, album um, called East Meets West. Are you familiar with it? Ravi Shankar, and uh, it, was a, it was a violin player. I do think that what's really interesting about that album, um, and I don't know if this, this was something that uh, people talked about when the song came out, but there is a piece of music on the Ravi Shankar side, because they, they both took turns um, with sides of the album. So one side is like Western violin music. And the other side is um, based around like uh, Indian instrumentation and especially the sitar. And there's a song that they both play on, which is kind of like this dance between um, Western scales and Eastern scales. It's the first track, I believe. Is that the one? That's and the I know one where that they, George they talked about this in like interviews, but George was took that music and made it within you without you. Did you know that? No, I did not. But they traded they traded like sitar and violin between the two. You got the name pulled up? I do. Um, so it's actually called West Meets West Meets East was the name of the record, and it had uh, I'm going to butcher this name. Um, I don't know how to pronounce this properly so forgive me but it looks like it's yundi men um he was a he was a jewish violin player i believe i think he would think he might have yeah he was he was brilliant and he and him and ravi shankar struck up a friendship i actually have ravi shankar's book upstairs and he talked about the making of that album and how it was really a breakthrough because it was the first time really that a western musician and and a musician from the far east met and merge the music, which just just to let you guys know, that's not easy to do. It took me years, and this is kind of the culmin- culmination of sitar Eastern music meeting Western music. They're, they're completely two different mindsets, completely two different philosophies, and I was really happy with how it turned out. But it was not it was not easy to make the sitar fit, and that and that and you really had the vision, and you really pushed me, and I spent quite a few. Uh, hours up there finding the right notes and uh, your direction for the end was perfect because I was kind of like I, I was like what should I do should I just go wild 
And you were like, no, you gave me the note. Dun, 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 dun. And I was like, I can do that. I, th- I believe, did I send you three takes of it or four takes? It was a lot of sitar I sent you. Yeah, I think I put every track on there too, um, just to kind of really build out the sound. That end section, I really wanted it to feel kind of like a film soundtrack, right? Um, and that's actually part of the reason why we got Simon Gibson um, at Abbey Road to master this EP because I knew that he had worked on like the Skyfall soundtrack and he had worked on Spectre. Um, and he was part of the, also he was part of the whole like Beatles remasters um, in like 2009. And then also part of the 50th anniversary for the Sergeant Pepper. So it's like everything that we would hope <laughs> that someone would be listening for in our music. That's what, you know, he had, and he did a phenomenal job on the song. Like I, I'm just so pleased with everything that he did on the, on the EP. Uh, I think it, you know, he really brought out the textures of like the string section that's in there and how it fades into the Indian, um, you know, more traditional, but still has the guitar. And I wanted that to kind of echo, you know, as ambitious as this was, I think I might have, you know, we we might have got there. Um, but I wanted to echo what George Martin produced on Within You Without You. His string arrangement on that song, darting in and out. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Of the scales is just really brilliant. And if and if you listen carefully, you can hear the Western classical instruments sliding between the notes, which is something you don't generally hear I'm not a classical music expert but that's what kind of really caught my ear and it wasn't until late wasn't until later that I was able to pinpoint why it sounded so very foreign it was because they were sliding and just a technical note that's the that's the great thing about Indian music because it's so melody centric there's a lot of bending and pulling of notes an example of that would be uh that people in western music could could uh, reference the guitar solo at the end of California, uh, Hotel California by the Eagles. There's a lot of bending and pulling of the notes, which is that's that's probably why it's one of my favorite guitar solos of all time. You're kind of pulling from one note to the next, and sitar is completely based on, or largely based on, being able to stretch one note into the next, kind of a, and uh, that was fun to do, and I tried to incorpor- incorporate that into my sitar playing. But yeah, it was it was a really fun song to do, and I really I am so thankful that you said let's get the guy from Abbey Road to do this because it it dude there wasn't didn't you say this was your mom's favorite track not not to not to put your mom on front street but I I you sent me what she said she said it was her favorite track which was kind of yeah. cool because even though you did almost all the instruments in the singing which you did flawlessly I wrote it which is it's I don't know that's really that's really exciting to have written something that somebody else took like into left into like the stratosphere. You know what I'm saying? Well, I like to think I took it to the moon, J-Man. Oh! <laughs> and you, came back. You did. You did take it to the moon. Now let's, now that we've talked up our performance enough, let's play the original version because I, like I said, I'm dying to hear this. I've got a second version that I did a few years later on Better Equipment which I've heard quite a few times, but I remember like kind of shunting that other one to the back of my brain because I was not happy with how it turned out. So let's listen to it and let's see if 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 my harsh criticism was accurate. I know my vocals are not great. I'll just put it that way. I actually disagree with that. Let's let's listen to it. And you know, I'd like to point out that 
you brought up that my mom said that was her favorite track. And I think that that is in a large part because she remembers us writing the song, right? You well, think she remembers writing it and then us performing it. Like she, she remembers it and has been a fan all this time. And like, I think she really, you know, dug with, you know, with, with, uh, with where we took it. So that's cool if your mom likes it, right? No, I mean, your mom likes it better than my mom likes it. <laughs> so okay. let's play the old one, dude. I got to hear this. Yeah, so here it is. Um, I Dude, this is off of your tape. <laughs> tape, your my tape. album. The, 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 actually, the very first time that I ever received a homemade, you know, kind of do-it-yourself cassette tape was this album, by the way. And it was called, uh, and I didn't really have that concept. Like, getting this from you, like, probably gave, most definitely gave me the idea to make my own tape, too. Like that's, it was like one of those things where I like, I had, didn't have the concept. And then I had a copy of the coping on cassette tape. Well, well by the way, I know the, I, I know the coping is a, is a skate term. I actually took it as like the coping, like you're coping with something. I was like, that's Oh, deep. that's, that's pretty tight. I get that. Well, uh, that would, no, that was that the coping was what people did when they were listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough um i'm gonna prove you wrong i'm gonna play the original version and then we'll see what you think okay okay here it is this is the original 1994 i think oh, version. God. 93 maybe version of alone on the moon
Okay, I would like to think that somewhere in Tom York's basement, Tom York of Radiohead, that there's something like that. I gotta tell you, I've learned a lot about projecting my voice since then, but it wasn't as bad as I remembered. But here, here, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a little insight on that crashing sound at the end. You know what that was? I know what I think it was. Tell me what you think it was. I think that it is the reverb on a guitar amp turned all the way up, and then you picked up the amp and let it kind of fall just a couple. Yes, you're right. I draw. I kicked the amp over, and it would like echo. And I was like, "That sounds cool." So I kicked it over. <laughs> I love it. That's ingenuity, dude. That's a cool sound. No, that is a, that is a cool recording of that song. It's got like this really cool like lo-fi thing. Like it's literally like that's the version that would end up in a Rob Zombie film. Yeah, it definitely. Right? It definitely has this kind of. Uh, it's slightly creepy. It almost sounds like. Like you would imagine if you <laughs> if you were to to there was a hostage situation like um and that that went horribly wrong and you were able to get into like the the room where the person had been like locked up for all like kind of like no more tears the Ozzy Osbourne song crack in the window there's a crack in the sky kind of like like that would be that would be the recording that was left in the room from the hostage. Uh, <laughs> But, but that could also be the version of like, you know, somebody is working on a space base on the moon and like their space elevator blows up and it's their way back to Earth as they see it wow. like float away in the sky. This song just plays in the background as they see like they're alone on the moon. But but you're right, dude. There's something there. And I kind of dismissed it. And I mean, definitely that version left a lot to be desired. But I mean, give me a break. I was like 15, 14 at the time. <laughs> but you're right. You heard something in that song. And I remember when we first reconnected a couple years ago, you told me something about, and you were like, you're one of your previous projects, Saturn V Rockets, I believe, that you wanted to do yeah. a cover that. And you almost contacted me. And I was very flattered. But I'm so glad you waited. This is this version is just kick ass, dude. Well, dude, um, well, I kind of what we ended up doing is is not too far away from the version that I just had in my head for a really long time, all the way back to that time in Saturn V Rockets. And the reason that I was thinking about that song is that uh, you know, this band that we were in, um, all of our songs would somehow have lyrics about space. And it was just like a little trick that I pulled to like give me a box to write lyrics in so I could, you know, um, just kind of do something and, and have it on there when we were making the record. And uh, just to kind of have some context for things. But I could sing about like sex. I could sing about like actual space. I could sing about drugs. I could think, you know, sing about anything that, you know, that you would th think about you'd sing in a, in a rock and roll band. And I would sing about existence too, but I would always like make it somehow centered around space and it was kind of like cosmic alternative was happening you know we weren't working together at the time but like i was like that idea really came from like stuff that we wrote for like these songs you know the drifter and and uh, alone on the moon so we only had seven songs and i wanted to have eight songs on the album and so i was try trying to think of songs that we'd put on there and this was one of the songs i was like Actually, it was the one I wanted to do. And I was going to call you up and see if you still played sitar, have you record it. And, you know, 
unfortunately I couldn't get all the guys in the band <laughs> to agree <laughs> that that was a good one. Um, and so we ended up using another song that I, that I had, which ended up being great for the record. But I, so at some point I was like, I knew I was going to do some cool version of this, like, like a rock song. I could hear it in there and we did it. Well, just for our listeners, if it's, it's spelled Saturn V rockets, you can look it up on YouTube. There's, there's actually some pretty good tracks on there. I've listened to it a couple times. It's, it's, if you, if you want, if you like, Tomorrow Never Knows, I think you will dig Saturn V or Saturn V rockets. Totally. Uh, it's like, you know, like Foo Fighters mixed with like stoner rock um, and space rock. There's Hawkwind kind of stuff in there and there's Radiohead kind of stuff in there. But that was a fun band to be in. Our drummer was the loudest and best drummer that I've ever played with. So and everybody in the in the band was just excellent. They multi-instrumentalists and been a part of a bunch of different projects and the best, so, the best drummers, the best drummers are loud drummers. I got to say, yeah, man, confidence. He was uh, his name's Brain, and uh, <laughs> dude, seriously. And you know what? The only drummer I've ever worked ever worked with that could give me advice on guitar that I could actually use. He, uh, Brain, he was the only drummer that I ever uh, worked with that could give me like advice on guitar that i could use right and it made us awesome uh together like we would just make a huge heavy sound like everybody had like at least four speaker amps and my oh, ears got blown out every practice it was ridiculous anyway check it out it's called the, the album was called super luminal it's eight songs um i think you'll dig it well before we before we go i just want to kind of flash back to 1994 when i wrote this song and i'm just gonna I'll make it brief because I think we've talked about this on another episode. But I will say this. I have written at least two of my favorite songs, this being one of them, another one called Evening Train, Outside. Something about being outside really sparks my creative uh, juices. I mean, I guess I'll call it the John Denver effect. I'm I'm renaming the – it's the John Denver effect is when you're outside and you're communing with nature and – it's, I mean, alone on the moon. Like I said, the moon was out that night. I was feeling very disconnected from my fellow humans. And something about that warm summer's night in Litchfield, Illinois, spawned the song. Do you have the same feeling when you get outside? Are you ever inspired? I, I imagine when Paul McCartney wrote Mother's Na- Mother Nature's Son, he was in like a courtyard in India when he wrote that. Do you have any similar songs? Are similar experiences as far as maybe it's not a song, but but do you feel close to like uh, the cosmos when you're playing out on, in the open air? I do. Oh, one one hundred percent, man. Um, in fact, there was a song that I wrote. Maybe I'll have to dig it up, but there's a song that I wrote right about the same time that we wrote these other songs. Actually, the song that we've been talking about, "Alone on the Moon," called uh, "Taste of Eternity." Oh, I know that song. I do. I've got it on tape. It's it's right down there. It's right down there. It's right, right down well, now there. We have to like you know maybe maybe we'll say something like, and this is the original recording of "Taste of Eternity," and maybe you'll drop it in. Maybe not, but we can we I no we it, can always hope. <laughs> <laughs> but I wrote that song outside, um, so that I I do remember that moment. Um, I just kind of like I was, you know, I was laying back in uh, in the grass, just looking out at the stars. And I, you know, I thought about how far away they were. And I wrote a song 
it's the same you know i did that with a with a song that's in saturn five rockets called uh called dying star um and that song was literally about the idea that the photons that left a star wow millions of light years ago took millions of light years for those photons to reach our retinas and reflect the light so that we could see that star. So literally before humans even existed, that star started its journey of shining its light before it even knew who was going to observe it. That's deep. And I've always wondered about that, like the age of light for, for people that debate the age of the earth. That's kind of proof right there that, that, the universe has been around far longer than we have. It's frightening how long the universe has been around. But it, but in this, another sense, it's comforting because when we're gone, like I heard Ricky Gervais say, he somebody said, somebody said, uh, what do you, what do you, what do you think uh, happens after you die? He goes, I think he said, I don't know, but imagine it'll be like the first 13 billion years that I wasn't here, or something along those lines. So it's kind of comforting in a, in a pretty. I, I get it. that's my dark sense of humor coming out. I love I love the dark side of things. But yeah, light is old and old light. That's that could be a cool song title. Well, you'll have to file that one away because you know I want to keep writing on this theme. But I do think that like when you were you know 15, right? Yeah. Sitting there on that uh that parking, right? You're 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 sitting on a parking lot. It was a parking, block. it was a parking lot at a hotel where where, where we were staying at a Christian training conference which is which is uh loose for uh a free-for-all and i was feeling very isolated i mean no no offense to our our religious listeners but even our religious listeners would have had questions about some of the things going on at this place i was feeling really isolated and really i guess cornered in a certain way and i guess part of me wanted to be on the moon i'm like oh god i don't want to be on the moon i can't take it anymore so so (laughs) okay dude okay so look Obviously, you got out there and you sat down and you have your guitar. You got away from the madness that you were trying to escape and you went to the right place. You went to music. That was an anchor for you. Yes. Paint me a picture. You're in that space. Okay. So paint me a picture in that moment of how you wrote that song and kind of like what what was going on then. Well, I, my dad had his Ovation acoustic guitar, and I, that was kind of my escape. Music was my escape, and I was feeling really isolated, and I thought, I can't really have this emotional experience in the hotel room with my sisters watching, because that would just be sort of awkward and weird, and, and nobody wants nobody wants to hear me sing about my emotions. <laughs> Shut up! You don't have any emotions! So I went out in the parking lot and started to just sing, just... It was it was like a it was like a fifth chord, just like high up on the neck, and I started walking down this little chord progression. And then with the words, I literally I blanked out, kind of, and the words just came to me. And I remember this cute blonde chick coming to sitting down next to me, and she goes, "That's a beautiful song." And I think that's what maybe cemented the the chemistry of the rest of the the lyrics was the fact that a cute blonde chick, or I mean any cute chick was let's be honest, any cute chick, any chick at all, they didn't have to be cute, any chick was paying attention to me. Right. So I wrote it, and I remember, I remember just sitting there looking at my dad's uh, station wagon, the family truckster, and uh, just kind of pouring my heart out to my guitar. And I, I, some people forget the songs after they wrote them. I remember this one. I had no recording equipment at the time. Oh, wow, really? 
No, I, 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 it was in my brain. I took it home and recorded it. Probably you didn't even write down the words or anything. No, no, I, no, no. It just stuck in my head. So this song just like came down from the moon or wherever, just came down right then and was like boom. It, how long did it, how long did it take to write? A half hour, maybe. I mean, it was it was pretty quick. I started. I remember, was, I remember. I I probably had a chord progression I was working on, and then the lyrics. I mean, like I said, I think the moon was out, and I just felt like. I don't want to be here. I want to be up in that moon away from all this madness where I can get a little peace and can make sense of my life. Like all teenagers, I'm sure probably do. But yeah, so I think it was probably a couple days, two, three days before I was able to go home and record it. But it was, it was just, if there was ever proof that a song was given to me that I didn't write it, it came from somewhere else. Uh, that would probably be uh, exhibit A. I'm not trying to be mystical, but it really felt like as quick as it came... I don't know, maybe maybe it was photons, billion-year-old photons going through my, my Coke bottle glasses in that parking lot in the middle of the night. <laughs> well, for whatever reason, you were kind of the receptor for that, for that idea. Um, and I think that, you know, the fact that you wrote that at, at, a, at a young age, to, you know, to me, I think kind of proves – that there's uh, some cool things going on there as far as like, you know, the way that both of us were like listening in on the music that, that we loved. Um, it's a pretty damn good song, man. You wrote that when you were 15. That's, that's pretty sweet. Like here we are, we released it, you know, in 2020. I'm and, 44 you know, now. <laughs> <laughs> literally dude. Like, seriously, I didn't change any chords. Did I like, I didn't no. change any words or any chords. It's exactly what you wrote. It's just the way I arranged it that, made it what it is you know in that recording and on that note we shall end two tape decks and a mixing board i love doing this show dude let's keep doing it let's keep doing it as long as we can talk <laughs> hey man i'm totally on board i am kind of curious to see you know uh where this conversation will go floating boundlessly free <laughs> we explore the galaxy for two tape decks and a mixing board, I am Jay Mack. And I'm Sam Wade. Saying, stay, stay cosmic. cosmic.